How are you guys doing today? My name is Vincent. And I'm Francis. And I'm glad you could join us today for some late night chill vibes. It's the podcast where philosophy, life, and existing as human beings can become a casual discussion. In today's episode, we talk about dealing with emotions. Every single day, we face emotions that are good and bad. Uh, And this spectrum of emotions works on a deep level that causes us to act in so many different ways. Today, we talk about how emotions are separate, yet so connected to the human experience, and eventually get to their connections to our identity. All right, well, let's start vibing, shall we? Let's do it. Francis, I gotta ask you this real quick. Have you tried, have you started meditating yet? Meditating? Yes. I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't, I haven't done a session in a long time. Perhaps a week. For those who haven't seen the very first episode of the podcast, let me ask you this again. When, um, when do you usually meditate? Like, what causes you to want to meditate? Uh, stress. It's not a good thing to do that because, because um, I think you should be able to turn it on uh, whenever, whenever you're, I don't know, going through something. And that's only through doing it consistently. And I don't do it consistently, so I kind of have to go back to um, go back to the feeling that's kind of created through the app, or I have to be de- dependent on something. But you you don't need that when you do it consistently. So I need to do it more consistently, but I don't. Which is which is something that I yeah do. yeah yeah. No, I I do it every day. I started it last last year last year the beginning of the year. It's so like January February. Um, but let's talk about stress for a second. I feel like stress is an overload of emotions and like that can be good stress and bad stress, like, um, sadness, uh, you can get a bunch of stress from that or like school stress, just an overload of emotions coming at you. Um, and I mean, like obviously there's good stress, like if you're just a test coming up and you feel stressed about it, like that, that's good. I feel like you, you want, it makes you want to study. But there's also like those those days where it's just stressful because like maybe someone said something or um, just something something happened throughout your day. Sometimes you can't really you can't really have that word fish in your mind. You know fish, right? You know fish. <laughs> Wait, no, I don't. You know, you know, like <laughs> fuck it, shit happens. You know that? <laughs> okay, you know that okay, one? yeah, yeah. I know, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you can't have that in your head all the time. You can't really remember that and like have it internalized. Uh, uh, for those of you who are confused, that's a good thing. Well, at least I, I'm trying to make it like sound like a good thing, because because you realize that you know things are things will always change. You know, however bad things get, uh, it, you know there's there's always going to be that bright side that comes uh, in a few days or however long uh, you need to wait for it to come. But sometimes you can't you can't just think fish. You can't do that. And when you can, you hold on to these emotions. It is tough, man. It is so tough. Emotions don't so. define you, you know? I feel like um, just because you're depressed all the time or because you're happy all the time, that doesn't mean that's the type of person you are. It's just it, it's just shit. I mean, I guess, yeah, shit happens that causes you to have these emotions. But emotions aren't you. That, and I feel like that's a problem that people let emotions control them. Um, there's so many ways to try to fix that, but obviously it doesn't 100% work or doesn't work all the time, you know. Um, but yeah, again, I don't feel like emotions control or emotions are you. And I so believe that you you learn that through uh, through meditation, too, because when you're meditating, you treat everything like it's it's just what it is like our emotions. They're just emotions. Um our feelings in our body, they're just feelings in our body. They're nothing They're nothing that you should give power to if they're not helping you in that moment, uh, which is such a, such a powerful thing to remember. You know, you kind of distance yourself from when you're not really being mindful sometimes. It's hard to be mindful when, uh, you know, things, things come up. In my case, it's usually just people. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I was talking to you about this before. Um, for our, I guess like our warm up, it's a problem with me mostly. Like you don't have a problem with it, which is good. <laughs> uh, well, uh, it's like I don't have that thing inside of me where it's like, 
I can defend myself in in certain situations. It's it's hard. I don't know. I I just have that that feeling when somebody's like getting trying to get under your skin. I I always feel that people who get under my skin. I don't know if they know that I feel that. I think they do, and I guess they just do it. But I've never had that 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 part of me to fight back. Cause first of all, like growing up, I guess it's never been a good thing to do that, talk back or stand up for myself or whatever for for whatever reason. I don't know why. And and when you don't, when you're not able to, I guess, like you said, it like it builds up. And what what I've been telling myself all this time is that you just develop a thick skin. Like you're a walnut and you're hard to crack, so people can't get to you even if they do all these cra even all the if they do all these like things that try and get under your skin. I kind of admire that you said is that sometimes it's bad to be like that because it'll never stop this kind of action. And like on on top of that, I don't think becoming a walnut is the right move anyways. Like um, I guess in some cases where like you don't really know the person and it's just like, okay, whatever you said, whatever you had to say. But what I mean is, I don't think trying to get a thick skin is a good thing so that other people don't know what's inside. I think that you should, and this goes for everyone, of course, like even me, I have something, that's something I can work on too, that you should be more vulnerable. Like even though they hurt you, maybe the right move isn't to not tell them. Maybe the right move is to tell them. But I mean, like, obviously you don't have to directly be like, yo, you hurt my feelings. I mean, you could do it in a different ways. Like the way I do it, I'd be passive aggressive and I put a mirror in front of them, like in showing them what you said is going to come back at you. For example, let's say, let's say, um, my friend, like we're playing COD or something and they said something about the way I play that kind of like struck me a little bit. Like, let's say, oh bro, why do you use, um, like, like they make fun of, let's say my KD or something that I'll go back to like, oh yeah, I was like, ha, yeah, you're right, you're right. But at least it didn't go bottom of the leaderboard last game or something like that. Just so that they know that they said something to me that kind of hurt me a little bit and I can just shove it right back at them. You know, there, there's like this give and take. And I feel like, I feel like this is the same, this works perfectly with this um, dilemma, this prisoner's dilemma that we talked about earlier, where there's this... Um, actually, can you explain it? You you were better at explaining it than me. So so in the prisoner's dilemma, if you guys don't know about it, it's uh it's part of this a branch of uh this this topic of research called game theory, and um I, it it was brought up in economics because of uh oligopolies. I don't want to get too into it, but it's pretty much like two competing two competing firms or two competing companies, and they make decisions based on each other's actions. Because they're the only two companies in the entire market, I guess. And um, this prisoner's dilemma is like a theoretical situation in, in game theory, under the branch of game theory, where two prisoners are given a, giving a, given a decision to either, um, to either confess or not confess. And it, it comes down to the fact that uh, confessing will get them... Let's say let's say they both confess and they both get eight years. Okay. Yeah, and these they guys are in separate confess. rooms, by the way. Like they don't know who's confessing, like or if they are confessing yeah. at all. Exactly. Yeah. So they have to they have to do it just based on you know what will make their situation the best to them because they can't they can't really talk to the other person or whatever. So so when they both don't confess, it's one year, one year. When uh, one confesses and the other one doesn't confess, the one that doesn't confess gets. Uh, 10 years and the one that does confess get goes free and uh when they both confess they both get eight years so the thing the problem with that is that uh there's a dominant strategy for both people which is to confess because when you are uh when you're when when you confess right you get what you go free versus one year if the guy doesn't the other guy doesn't uh the other guy doesn't confess, right? You go free versus one year. And if the other guy does confess, you go eight years, which is better than 10 years. So in both situations, which is the sad reality, uh, is that when you confess, you always get the best part of the deal. And that's bad because that 
when when both of you confess and both of you exercise your dominant strategy, that's so much worse. Like eight years is so much worse than just both getting one year. And and that's part of the reason that in these situations where people get under your skin or whatever, you don't want to be that guy who gets ten years while the other guy goes free. And that's why people, uh, but why people and why it's a good decision sometimes to just put up a mirror in front of people and say that okay, you're being an asshole right now. I'm just going to put it right back to you because I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to jail for 10 years is pretty much what you're saying. Right. So coming up, like I've always, I I guess I've always had that thing uh, in me where I just didn't want to be, I I don't know. I didn't want to be the guy to, um, to confess, like to rat out the other person. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ever because I, I just didn't want to condone the activity where you have that least inefficient outcome. I feel like that's hurt me in a lot of ways, but... I, I feel like, okay, let's take that example. Let's say that if it was me in the... Okay, let's ignore the, the metaphor real quick, like how, how, we, how we can make that into like a game, a match between two people. Let's just say that it's a prison. Me personally, if I was faced with this decision, I would not, depending on, I guess, depending on the person, if I knew the person, even as a friend, um, let, I mean, like, I, I don't know, I don't want to say any names, but just a friend, like someone, someone that we know, uh, I wouldn't rat them out. And if I get, if they rat me out and they confess, I get whatever's coming to me. Like, I deserve it because I did, I did the crime, you know what I mean? Like, I did what I did. So that if I don't sense. confess that makes a lot of sense. and I get, and I get the 10 years, fair enough, Right. Um, but what would you do in that situation? Would you still would you confess and think about that advantage? I wouldn't confess, mm-hmm. but that's just me, you know. Yeah, and it's exactly. not it's not even the fact that uh, like like it's because you did what you did. Consider the example where it's an actual uh, economic uh, it's it's an actual economic e- example, right? So if you if you're a firm and you're uh, with another firm in the in this market where there's only two people i mean there's only two firms right and you're in i guess a monopoly position where both of you are making as uh, the 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 biggest amount of profits because you both agree to not make as much products so that the price is higher okay this is gonna kind of getting confusing but once you increase your product once you increase the amount of products you make, you get more market share. So that means you get more money, but the other firm suffers because now they have less market share. And this is kind of the direct translation of it into the, into the actual like, uh, you know, economics of things. So nobody's doing anything wrong in the beginning. Both of you are kind of colluding, I guess you could say, because, because now you have like the the biggest price. But, but as one person goes and makes more things, the other person gets less market share, and it's like a Doot, 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 until, until you guys get the least amount of benefit from your production. Now let's translate this to person to person, like in real life. Okay. Okay. Um, if I'm talking to someone and they, I wouldn't say threaten, but like they say something that we can consider a confession, like that, what they're saying hurts in a way that can hurt me and put me in quote unquote, 10 years. Okay. I don't know if this sounds confusing to anyone. Like, I feel like it makes sense to us right now. But I may, I feel like the audience <laughs> yeah. might be like, yo, what the fuck are they talking about? I hope, um, I hope you guys are following. This is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyways, okay. Um, let's say they say something to me. It would make the most sense to say something back to them so that there's an equal, an equal understanding of what just happened. You know, that way, if, if I don't say something and they say something to me, then they had the upper hand. In the end, end of that conversation, they have the dominant position of always. And this is the same way to like your first impressions with someone. If you meet someone for the very first time and there's so many like subtle, subtle conversation starters or subtle movements or talk, talking points yeah. you can have with someone. Um, and if you let that person dominate that first impression, it, more likely than not, they'll dominate every other encounter after that in the way for the emotions, like if you meet someone and they like confront you with a stronger emotion or a stronger, stronger output, you should be able to put a mirror in front of them and say, I have the same shit. Like I can pull the shit out too. 
Okay, I'll, I'll bring up the thing that uh, I, I learned too out of this whole prisoner's dilemma thing is, you know, in the prisoner's dilemma, you have you have obvious metrics, right? You have like the years, the years that you get in prison um, and you have the obvious decision making. Uh, it's like either one thing or the other. You confess or you don't confess. So people were making uh, programs where, you know, they, they programmed uh, a decision making program to play these games a bunch of times play the play the prisoner's dilemma a bunch of times and they they wanted to find the strategy that worked the the best so that obviously they wouldn't get the le- they would get the least amount of years and the strategy that worked the best was when the program held up a mirror to the other prisoner that they were going against but they, but they started out um they started out with a trusting by trusting them by saying they wouldn't confess. And then after that, every time they would do something, uh, the the program would copy it. That was the best strategy. So I feel like, you know, if they figured that out, I feel like I should be doing the same thing. But there's something inside of me. I don't know if, if it was just the way I, I was brought up or whatever that just can't shake the fact that I can't do that to people. I don't know why. I feel like maybe um, I don't know why it's tough, man. The part of, part of the problem is, and I'm I'm kind of like this too as well. And I'm not, I'm gonna admit it right now. I'm pretty optimistic when it comes to other people. But the problem with me, um, I feel like the difference between you and I is the moment I'm very optimistic when I meet someone. But the moment they crush down that optimism, there's no more. Like I won't I won't give them a chance again. You know, like I'd be. I come up to you 100%, I'm all in, let's be friends. But the moment something happens, it crushes all of that. And then I can go back, I can come back right at you. Like, hey, all right, what you said is bullshit. Like, let's let's talk about this, you know what I mean? Instead of maybe giving the, giving the hope or the benefit of the doubt of changing. You know, I feel like that, maybe that, is that kind of like the difference? I feel like that's what the difference is between you and me. Is, is that what you feel like too? Yeah, it's it's because I guess... I never, uh, I never put myself in the situation to like get mad at somebody. People even say, uh, like my friends, in in university, like I was told before, like like there was somebody in our friend group who said, okay, okay, I can see him as getting mad. I can see him as getting mad. I can't see Francis as getting mad. <laughs> I was like, huh, okay. I I don't know. I took that as like a good thing, but now I'm thinking, dude, it's an emotion that that will get you winning these kinds of these kinds of dilemmas yeah and yeah. you're just gonna lose all the time so why put yourself through that i don't know um, maybe it's not that i feel i think maybe that gives you the advantage over them in reality because imagine they're like oh there's no way france is gonna get mad but then imagine the time that one time you're like yo fuck this shit all right i'm done and then they're just oh <laughs> oh whoa whoa whoa, whoa. Where, where did this come from then you have the upper hand forever you know what i mean <laughs> like you're always winning now oh god i mean yeah man it's it's bad to think about those times though you know it's like it's like this these emotions because you know what i was talking about before when uh we were asking each other how like when are we happy when are we happiest and i was like okay maybe maybe it has to do with the time period that you're thinking in like the future oh, maybe the past you know it's better to always two. be in the present yeah yeah <laughs> it's better to always be in the present but if you're thinking in the past or the future you're you're obviously not like your best self because i think you're somewhere else that's what i've kind of concluded now you know when stuff like this happens to me and uh it, it gives me enough like this this internal energy to think about think about explosions in my mind i'm like oh fuck this all right you, you all gotta <laughs> shut up right now and listen up <laughs> yeah. right that kind yeah. of thing like i in my head i i go through those scenarios and it just wastes so much time and it's not efficient it's like it's killing me you know it's it rips you apart i don't know and i feel like that that in itself is like such a big downside to this kind of altruistic yeah, strategy that's the thing and i feel like the problem with controlling emotions, there's confusion between controlling emotions and suppressing emotions. Those two things yeah. are very, very different. And I don't think um, other people don't understand this. Uh, yeah, I think I don't understand this. This is, I'm a suppressing kind of guy. And I guess that's why it's just been so automatic for me. Because I think about it. 
Well, yeah, look, just quickly to add that, um, it's such a it's such a cliche to say this, but if you bottle up your emotions, it's gonna explode eventually. You know, whether it's yeah. gonna implode on yourself or explode on other people, either way, it's not healthy. You know, all all the answers are pointing to like you know you gotta you gotta learn to control it, not suppress it. You gotta learn how to control it and let go of it in a certain manner. Yeah, you know, I wrote that original blog post just because I really was against it to begin with, but all the answers were pointing to it being true. That first blog post, Poltage, I was telling myself, like, it's all it all makes sense to me now, but in reality, there was something inside of me that just just couldn't let go of the fact that people were all good. You know, it's like... I don't... I think maybe the issue isn't that all people are good. I don't think... The, I don't think that thinking, the way of thinking is wrong. I think the way of thinking is... Uh, what I think is wrong is um, all people are good all the time, you know? Like, I don't think... I think that's the wrong way to look at it. But I think everyone is good. I mean, obviously, there's going to be, like, some people that are just innately bad, you know, like, maybe, like, serial killers or something that are just always going to be bad no matter what. But um, for the most part, I don't think everyone is good all the time. I think everyone is good, but just not all the time. I I even say that in my blog. It's not that... like I said that wrong, it's not It's not that all people are good, it's that It's that everybody has potential. That's what I ha- really had to, like, and I have trouble telling myself that now, even, because I believe the good thing and not the potential thing. The potential thing is true all the time because people have the potential to be bad or good. And that's what I have to remember, and, and that sometimes people aren't good, but they have potential, and potential can do great things. What I mean, like, they're not good all the time is because their emotions could like get a hold of them like their emotion one thing could happen in a day that can ruin the whole day you know and let's say that you meet this person on their bad day okay that that itself and i i find this a problem with myself that i do this a lot like my if i meet the person for the first time and they're just having a bad day and i mean obviously i wouldn't know about it but if they're just having a bad day then i automatically don't like them you know but that should not um like let's say it's me that's having the bad day those emotions does not make you who you are and i wrote this down in this it's in front of me i want to read this out loud emotions controlling someone and letting situations control you and other people's judgments are going to hurt someone's identity those three things are the most hurtful things that anyone can ever go through especially in my opinion i think the most one out of all three of these is people's judgments um, I don't know how you feel about how she, How do you feel about that? Which of those three do you think is the most hurtful thing to someone's identity? I see them actually being all connected in some way because other people's judgments and things, situations, all lead to some sort of physiological reaction, which are your emotions. So, so I think they're all pretty bad if they're bad situations or bad emotions or bad whatever because... Like even you say, like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So situations obviously can have different effects on different people. Uh, people's people's what's it called? People's opinions can have different effects on other people. Some people don't take opinions as anything. Like there was this, I was going go karting recently, and these these dicks like kind of kind of kind of passed my buddy, and like and like like they were they were just. They didn't care. They didn't care that there were rules in place about how you treat people. Oh, and, right. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, you know, obviously to some people, uh, uh, opinions don't matter, which is good if you're a good person. But if you're not a good person, obviously there's problems there. But uh, emotions and emotions are especially dangerous because emotions can have like this effect within yourself. It doesn't even have, have to happen externally because to me, I think, emotions are like a swirling thing and they can have a feedback effect inside of you which is especially dangerous which is what i've felt before so yeah i guess yeah they are pretty different but what i'd say actually is yeah that emotions are the worst yeah you think because they're inside of you yeah they're inside of you and and you can't really because it's you you can't really convince yourself that it's not a problem or or how to regulate because it's you so you know in that sense, it's kind of scary, but... Yeah, and I feel like 
the thing about emotions controlling someone is again, I just I I love bringing this up because a lot of people, I feel like we should shed light. I mean, at least I want to shed light on this a lot more. Um, there's this one guy that I know, and for my whole life, I knew he, he was just like a sad person. You know, like he every time I seen him, every time I saw him in person, he was always like to himself. He would never really talk to anyone. But then, uh, like a couple months back, I got this video from him. Where like he's living, like he's really happy now. He's living his best life, you know. And I talked to him a little bit, and what happened was he let his emotions control him. And it's perfect that we're talking about this in this episode. And I don't know oh, wow. how I just thought about this on the spot, but he let his emotions get a, get a hold of him for his whole life, until there was a moment where he realized that emotions are not the the most important thing, like how you feel at that time is not going to define who you are as a person. And he somehow, I don't know how he got to that point in his life. And I'm really happy he did. Cause I, there was, I was getting a little bit scared for him. Cause I didn't know what he was going to do with his life. He didn't know what he was going to do with his life either. But, um, he somehow found a way to understand that, um, emotions isn't who you are. Like you can be a separate entity from how you feel. Like I'm thinking about it now. Like it, it's confusing because how do you implement that kind of thinking in your day-to-day life? Do you just remind yourself that whatever I'm feeling right now is... I guess I guess in a sense it would be like if the emotions I'm feeling are good right now, I take them. I take them, I embrace them, I th- I'm thankful for them. But if they're not good, then I th- brush them aside. Is that how it should be or is that that all emotions are... From what I understand, I don't think brushing them aside is the right term maybe and again as suppressing isn't either i think from from what i understand the way he handled it and i believe this is the right way to handle it is when you're faced with these emotions these sad emotions or angry emotions you can sit with it and be fine with it because those angry emotions are just emotions you know just because they just because you're angry at a time it doesn't mean that your actions and how you look at your day or the rest of your life is going to have an angry outlook. Just because, okay, let's say I think of a water bottle, right? It's a water bottle. You fill it with water. It's just a water bottle. But let's say you fill it with, you fill it with soda. It's still a water bottle, but what's inside the water bottle is still soda. You know, like you can go throughout the whole day with it just being, you know, what the hell am I saying? Yo, that makes <laughs> sense. No, that makes sense. The soda doesn't make the water bottle. No, I get you, dude. I get yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. So it's still a water you. bottle, but what's in it is different. But it, the thing itself hasn't changed, and that's kind of like that's kind of what I'm trying to say. It's you don't change as a person because of what you're feeling inside. You should still be able to live your life how you want to live it, and not let those emotions change who you are. Um, okay, Francis, why don't we take a quick break? Let the sponsors say what they have to say. We'll be back right after this. Okay, and we're back. So, yeah, again, emotions do not control... uh, Letting emotions control you is dangerous because if you let the emotions control you, it changes who you are as a person, and you don't want that. You still want to be the same person when the emotion comes or when the emotion leaves. You want to still be that, that water bottle. You know, you want to let that... Be that water bottle, let that soda run out, put that water back in there, be, be, be yourself again, okay? Um, but the thing about emotions, that there's so many different kinds of emotions that I think it's important to, to um, give them names, you know? And not only that, to give them some, to like calculate them in a way that you can understand them a little bit more and how to fix them. And Francis brought this up a few days ago, and I looked into it a little bit more, it's a graph of energy, or what is it? What is it called? Uh, it's called the Mood Meter, made by this guy named uh, Mark Brackett, PhD, Doctor Brackett, and it's uh, yeah, it's what Vincent was talking about. It's a it's a graph where on the x-axis you have pleasantness. Okay, so the more you move in the positive direction on, along the x-axis, that's left and right, you get more pleasant. So your emotions are more pleasant to the right. And on the y-axis, sorry if you're hitting that Discord. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll turn that down. Uh, uh, on the y-axis, you have energy. So in the positive direction of the y-axis, you have better, 
yeah sorry not better uh like more energy feel more energetic right and so along on this uh on this kind of plane you can according to dr brackett give a name to any emotion that you have i feel like it helps a lot like it helped i think it makes sense it's uh so this is this is a way that you can become more emotionally intelligent like kid they teach kids to use this and um yeah, so like if we if you can try to picture this in your head as a listener, um, at the very bottom left, where it's lowest energy, lowest pleasantness, I'm sure we can all guess it is depression, and that makes the most sense because you have no energy to do anything, and you're just not pleasant to not only others but to yourself, and yeah. So okay, um, where do you think is the best place to be? on a day-to-day basis, according to this graph. So the best place to be, I think, would be in the bottom right-hand corner where you're calm, energy's low, and it's just pleasant. So I'm thinking, like, good vibes. I'm thinking you're just chill vibes. chilling on the beach. Yeah, chill vibes. Chill vibes. <laughs> chill vibes. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's that's a good place to be. So imagine, like, a beach, palm trees, like the seagulls. And you're just relaxing or, I don't know, sitting sitting in your favorite chair at home. And uh, there's a pleasant scent, you know, wafting through the air. You got your essential oils. Yeah, I think for me, I believe, I guess, yeah, bottom, that bottom right quadrant is a really good place to be on a day-to-day basis. But I think the best place to aim to be is around kind of like the top right at the top right quadrant, but more towards the middle of pleasantness, you know, more towards oh, the middle of okay. pleasantness and a little bit down to energy. Um, that's what I, that's where I try to aim to be. Now I'm looking at this graph. Just give me a second here. I want to look at it. Um, pleased, happy, and focused. I feel like is the best place to be in my day to day, at least. Yeah. Okay. That's nice. It's like, it's good. It's neutral, but it's got a little bit of, uh, it's got a little, it's got a little spark to it. <laughs> a little spark, yeah. yeah but um, okay. anyways, nice. you mentioned this in a previous episode, I believe in our happiness and depression episode, where you said it's good to give it a name. And that's exactly what this graph does. When you're yeah. feeling something, you should give it a name. Uh, more for the non-pleasant stuff, it gives it less power. More for the pleasant stuff, I don't know. There are people who say that, ah, I don't know. I was going to say there are people who say that even the pleasant stuff, if you give them less power, power it's good for you. I don't know how true that is, but uh, but for the for the unpleasant stuff, definitely. Like if you give it a name, and you kind of let it settle, and just look at it like an emotion, like if you're you know you're driving a car, and something's flashing on the dash, it's kind of like that. It's just something that's there, right? And it's not something that sh- you should let affect your whole identity over, which is what you said. So, so this is a good good way to you know, give everything a name. And actually, um, you know, I did something stupid in my head, like before where I actually gave them like human names. I was thinking, I was thinking a lot about it. Like, I don't know, my mood and just emotions, they interested me so much because I feel like they, they're, they're just so, I give them a lot of power in my day to day. And I feel like that's a bad thing, but, but, you know, in, in the spirit of trying to be better, with all this stuff like i tried to give them names and stuff so on the bottom left which is uh you know a spot where sometimes i find myself in i gave it the name obadiah obadiah, <laughs> obadiah. <laughs> and, and like like people like people emotions uh need things to kind of deal with them so obadiah i I like spoke with him, right? I had a nice conversation with him and I told him that, you know, things change all the time and that shut him up. So, so whenever I'm in that like kind of, kind of place, I, I say to myself that, you know, things change. You say to Obadiah, yo bro, things change, man. Yeah. (laughs) You're not going to be here forever. And in like in a day or so, or, or maybe not in a day or so, it might take a year. I don't know. But things will always change. And like that was that was comforting. Comforting enough to actually get me a little bit more positive in the X direction. I don't know, whatever helps, I guess. 
I don't know if this strategy is like <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing, but that's what I did. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to go back to what we mentioned, what I mentioned earlier in the episode. I don't know why I'm thinking about it now, but I, I'm thinking about it and I feel a little bit hypocritical when I said what I said. I don't remember exactly what I said, um, but I said something and I don't agree with what I said. And I'm thinking about it now. And I feel like the, the thing about emotions, there's there's emotions are like um, they do something to your brain, you know, but there's also this quote unquote emotion known as love and love is this difficult thing that it's just hard to define, you know, and when you fall in love with someone and then your heart gets broken, all types of all anything logical. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but anything logical doesn't feel logical anymore. Like you'd normally something that you'd normally do. It just doesn't, it's not there anymore. You know, yeah, have you ever felt weird. that before? Yeah, it's just like some odd, odd effect to your natural rhythms, I guess. Yeah. Like you, you think something, like, you think you're going to do something, like you're going to make something, you're going to you're gonna make your breakfast, and you're there, and you're making your breakfast, but something just happens, and it's like, it's like, you, you get a different perspective on breakfast almost. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, actually weird. though. Yeah. Feeling in a heart, your heart broken or feeling out of love or something, it should, I don't know, I don't think it's in that graph that I'm looking at right now, but I think it should be, oh, actually, I don't think it should be on this graph because it should, it should be so much lower than anything that you see here. Because if you've, any, any listener, if you've ever been in love and you fall out of love or your heart gets broken, like nothing seems real anymore. I feel like, and I, I, TV shows and movies portray this in such a perfect way when you get heartbroken or something happens to your love life. Everything changes. And it's such a difficult way to get out of it. I've personally never been in such a spot where like, my whole life looks like it's going to change. I've never been in that situation. I've been in a situation where I, like, th- I was, I, I guess, maybe not in love, but I thought I was in love. Um, and then it just everything changed. But I understand where you're coming from when you say that it's hard to just put a mirror up or put up or be passive aggressive. I can understand that now because I'm thinking about that that one time that I was in that spot where I was like, nothing makes sense. You know, uh, I just feel like I should bring that up. I think I think, yeah, it's like that all the time. It's like, I don't know what brings about that, that kind of, you know, realm of action where nothing makes sense. Is it hope in people? Is it like, is it just that, is it just that there's that loss? Something, what is it? I guess it's like a, a piece of yourself is is gone, I, I think. It's like the same way when you're really happy, when you're feeling nostalgia and you're thinking about all those, like, I think about this a lot. When when we went camping with Chris and Clarence here in at, at, at Terrace at Lake Ells, and I think about it a lot and I feel sad about it because it's not that's not gonna happen for a long time. Like I'm not gonna see them and all of us together again for a long time, I think. Maybe for the next three, five years. And I feel sad about that because it's like a piece of myself is gone now. You know? Like it's still there, I can still think about it, but it's like a piece of what could be, what could happen again is just gone. And yeah, I think the right word is loss, like what you said, loss, or, or like the sense of hopefulness has kind of just disappeared in a way. Yeah. Okay, you, we wrote this word in our notes, and I feel like it's it's kind of touching on what we're saying now, but it's trauma. Yes. Trauma, trauma. It's like, hmm, it's like a computer, right? Uh, in a In a crude sense, in a crude sense, our brains are like computers, I guess. And you know how old hard drives you can you can punch them and they won't be the same again. You know it's like that. It's like it's like throughout our lives things have such emotional or you know deep deep impressions that I guess through the emotions that are kind of swirling inside of us they create these super super highways in our brain that kind of make these things that cannot be broken or they're just so strong that you just have a connection to them. For me, that's for some reason not being able to, <laughs> not being able to hold up a mirror to people, maybe, or I don't know. For you, it's that loss. I can see that. It's like it's strong. I think it's just, yeah. It just it just makes people who they are. 
Should it though? Because you say it's like an emotional thing. It's an emotional thing. Like, what do you mean it makes people who they are? Like, what exactly? Like, what are you exactly talking about when you say that? I'm saying like because of trauma people have, like you know, in in TV shows and stuff, you see characters and they have childhoods and stuff, and and you say and and you know other characters in the TV show say, oh that guy, you know he grew up like this, and you know that's just part of him. Mm-hmm. And, okay. You know, trauma has a part of trauma plays a part in that because that's what people experience early on in their lives and and if it's a part of them and they can't really shake it because i guess trauma just has that effect it becomes a part of you and i don't know if you can i don't know i wouldn't say i i what i love about this podcast is that we the things we talked about before we can come back to it now and i wouldn't say i would say that trauma does not make you who you are in a sense. I feel like it would change your journey a little bit. If we go back to fate and free will, there's nodes that of your life where you go into, but trauma affects that path you take to that, to that node of life, that chapter. Uh, and I don't think trauma defines you as a person. And it's about, it's about character development and how you can get past that trauma and make, or make that trauma part of you positively. You know, and um, it's like the same way. Let's go back to Avengers Endgame again. Let's go. Let's go to that. Okay. Um, okay. Tony Stark, when he he died because he doesn't want, he didn't want to become like his father, right? And that was trauma for him. Like he don't he doesn't want to be like him. He didn't know until the very end. Like his father did did whatever it took so that Tony could survive. He didn't know that till the end, but he. It, that trauma for him developed into who he was later on. And trauma does that, I don't know. So don't maybe know that we shouldn't sense. call it that. It, it has a negative connotation, the word trauma. Yeah, exactly. It's That's just, exactly it's what just I'm like thinking. A, it's just a deep impression. Mm-hmm. So instead of trauma, it's like a deep impression. Should that be part of you? I feel like, of course, it should. Because, you know, Inside Out, that movie, it's like it's like all of those big... Uh, those memories that are in this in the center i forget what they're called like the important ones the deep memories <laughs> they are like they're like the deep impression they're the deep impressions if you have a red one in there like it's anger or or a blue one that's sad that's like really sad like depression sad or mm-hmm. know, anger deep anger that could be trauma the name that you give to those things in general is just things that have a deep impression on you and i feel like yeah. that does become part of you and I think, tra- yeah, I, I agree, 100% agree. I think maybe trauma is not the right word because like, it's such, there's such a negative connotation to it. And yeah. I wrote down here, trauma equals opportunity. And I think maybe that's what I'm thinking in my head. Um, it's the opportunity to change. It's an opportunity to become better than what hurt you. Whoa. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, dude. I love that so much. Trauma is an opportunity. Okay, listen, everybody. Trauma <laughs> is an opportunity to become better than what hurt you. Yeah. Holy shit, dude. That's that's pretty powerful, I think. <laughs> dude. Dude, we're coming up with big quotes out here. I, I don't feel like that's not yeah. a quote. I feel like that's not a quote that's ever been said. I feel said. like that's not a quote either. <laughs> that's, uh, that's pretty powerful. <laughs> That's some season finale type shit. <laughs> season finale. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, you know what? On that note, why don't we take another break? <laughs> we can reconvene after this. <laughs> okay. Okay, right, we'll be right good. back. And we're back. <laughs> so uh, before, before the break, Vincent said something that resonated with me, which was uh, that trauma gives you the opportunity to be better or to be bigger than what hurt you. Now that I think about it, what what I was having a problem with at the beginning of this episode was that I couldn't, what we were talking about, hold a mirror up to, I guess, the, the oppressive, the oppressiveness of some of the situations that I put myself in by like not, or by yeah by not holding up a mirror to those people who like you know kind of give me a hard time and stuff like that okay how that applies is that 
I can look at it now and just sort of smile at it. Yeah. I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it's like there, but it's now it doesn't have that power because I know what it is. I know that it hurts. I know that it hurts. I know that, I know that I can do something about it now. I, I know that I can hold a mirror up to it, but rather than doing that, now I can just, now in my heart, I just smile at all those, those times that that happened to me. Cause it, it taught me exactly what it was. It taught me that it was just something that, you know, people are just dick sometimes. Right. And it's, yeah. And it's bad. It, it really is bad because it doesn't allow you to do, to do, it doesn't allow you to be because it puts yourself in, puts you in that position where you're in your feelings and in your emotions and so so now i can just smile at it which is nice yeah that's that's that funny thing about i think um while you were talking about it earlier i kind of had that in my mind too um because you can literally look at trauma or what we're kind of calling it now as an opportunity to something and make it bigger than what it is and for example in that example what you were saying how you couldn't put a mirror up to someone. And let's just, quote-unquote, it's not really trauma, but let's just call it trauma just because it's just easier that way. Just give it a name, you know? Um, that way that when that happens to anyone, it gives you a chance to maybe not fight not fight back, but it gives you a chance to um, look beyond it. You know, look beyond what it, what it is and to work. Yeah. Yeah, and just have it be natural. Like something that you just have to do. It just, you just have to do it. It's gotta hold a mirror up to them. Yeah. And like yeah. you can't really control stuff like that, anyways. Like what you can't control other people's opinions. You can't control other people's um, the stuff they say. The best you can do is like let it happen and do something about it for yourself. Not not to defend yourself, but and not also to not to like fire back at them, but to do something for yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's the best you can do. God damn it. I love you, man. <laughs> okay. God. Uh you know that said, that said, we wrote this down too. It's up to the person. So I love that you I love that you said this because at the beginning of this podcast, even though you said all those things that were completely true and that I can't refute, uh we said it's up to the person. So so I guess it was up to me. And it's like that. It's like it's like that. You can lead the horse to water, but they, you can't make them drink it, kind of thing. Yeah, I wasn't. It was against my own internal whatever to, to hold up a mirror to somebody, but I kind of realized it, and on my own, I kind of figured it out, which is nice. But it's something that you have to realize because you can't exactly everybody, but yeah. And it's not just something that, like, you can get right into right away. Like, it's something that um, you'd have to work on. Like, I definitely worked on it, too. Like, before in in high school, I never thought of myself... I was in a group of friends, right? And I never thought of myself as, like, mm, mm, I don't know, um, bigger than them or equal to them. I always thought of myself as that person who was there with them. You know, I was always just there. Uh, and it takes work to think of yourself as bigger than bigger than what you think you are and it takes work yeah um and that goes with everything like it takes practice to uh fight for yourself or i mean like to do do to be better or whatever it may be it's just always going to take work it's something that's inside of you though like if i can say one more thing it's something that's inside of you work is what humans do and if you're having problems just remember that it's 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 within you just because you're human to do it and to be to bring yourself to that better situation that you've always wanted that being said as well and there's always work to be done right but there's always you always have to take little steps because although it's good to take a leap sometimes it's not good to take a leap all the time and it's not good to just dive in head first whenever you think it's right it's always got to be a calculated leap a calculated jump but between those, before you take those jumps, there's always those little steps that you have to take, uh, whether it's practicing or whatever. For me, it's a routine, and that's what I do in the morning. I wake up in the morning. When I, to, for me, my routine, I wake up in the morning. Um, let's just take 
uh, on Friday morning, for example, because on the weekends, like the mornings, whatever, like I do whatever happens. But during the weekdays, even when there's no school, I have a routine. I wake up at nine, lay in bed 15, 15 minutes um, just to like go on my phone, do whatever I have to do. Uh, and on Friday morning, I actually meditated before I got up. So usually I meditate at night, but um, I started trying to meditate in the morning. And so I meditated for 20 minutes and then got up, had my breakfast, did walk the dog, did some chores, did my workout, hit the showers, and then the rest of the day, I was done by around like one o'clock. The rest of the day was like whatever. And I think it's healthy that um, to these little steps to help your life get better, to help you yourself become a different person or a better person. I mean, uh, it's these little steps you have to take. And I think the best way to start is a routine. Yeah, I love that you say that because it's, it's like the, it's the little actions that give you the most benefit because they compound because you do them a lot. And once they become a habit and they're good habits, like they're, they're things that benefit you in the small ways, uh, in a small way, and you just keep doing them, uh, they'll benefit you in a big way eventually. Yeah, bringing in economics again, like the, uh, rational people think on the margin. And if you take that to its extreme, you'd have somebody who would be uh, thinking his entire life because every next action has to benefit him in some way. Be it how small or be it how big, every single action that he takes, this marginal man will benefit him. And theoretically, at the end of his life, he will have the most value out of anybody, <laughs> out of everybody. <laughs> but obviously, sometimes that's kind of hard. But the way that you can control that is by making those things as small as possible so that they're as easy as possible. And I love that you brought this up because like habits are ha habits and routines, especially, which are like just habits that I guess you uh, you kind of make for yourself or are the best way to do, to do that. So. Um, so all the listeners out there, I challenge you guys, whether you think you're in a good place, whether you're in a bad place, no matter what it is, my challenge to all you guys out there is to start a routine. Write down a routine that you want to do, even as simple as waking up at 10 o'clock in the morning, going on your phone for 15 minutes, then getting up. As simple as that, no matter what it is. Try it, and I promise you, you'll see life differently. Look at those little small things. You'll see life differently. Yeah, do you have anything to add to that, actually? Yeah. Uh, I love that. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So we talked about a lot of things today, guys. It was heavy. I changed a lot. Uh, I had a big delta on me. Big delta F right here. <laughs> and, uh, so be your best self. Everybody has potential. You can spend it in the little ways, in the habits that you do. Be like the marginal man. Small little changes that make your life better. And uh, I hope you had a chill night. Live mm. with us on Late Night Chill Live. I've been Francis. And I'm Vincent. And have a wonderful night, everybody out there. We'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>